You are listening to Electric Bike Radio. Welcome to episode four of Electric Bike Radio, Range Anxiety. I'm Dwayne and this is Jared. Hey Dwayne, good to chat again. So before we get started today, just want to mention we had a lot of people comment on Facebook about our last episode, Hauling Amps. We've got some more great ideas about uh, how to haul your bike, some other things you should consider. So if you're looking for more information from our listeners, we added some new links to our show notes from last episode, episode three on our website. And also, around the middle of today's episode, we're going to take a break and mention a couple of them on the air. Yeah, it's great to have the listeners involved, and we all have a chance to have a little bit of back and forth, and we can all learn from each other. So I think that'll be great, and we'll try and make that a regular feature. Sounds good. So today our main topic is going to be about range anxiety. And we all know this feeling. Uh, it's a real thing for good reason. We worry about how long is our battery going to last? How far are we going to get to go? And that's, uh, you know, that's a real concern with these heavy e-bikes because you don't want to be stuck somewhere away from your home or away from your car without a battery. If you happen to see the photo for today's podcast, you'll see two bars on a red power bike. And that was me having range anxiety, trying to drive around and wear my battery down for the picture for the show today. So range anxiety is real. So we want everybody to be able to better understand their bike and how far it will go, what they can expect, whether it's a bike they already have or they're considering buying an e-bike, you know, what determines how far it'll go. Uh, and the number one factor has to be the battery, right? And to understand that, we have to have a general understanding of some of those terms and numbers that we see advertised with every bike, amps, watts, volts, amp hours, all those things. What do all those things mean? So neither of us are electrical engineers, and you definitely don't have to be one to own an electric bike. But we'll just cover the basics here with some imperfect analogies to kind of give you a feel for what you should be looking for. The big thing is, if you think about an electric bike like a car, your battery is basically the gas tank. And the size of that tank is measured in amp hours, or sometimes watt hours. They're just mathematically related, but they're still both the capacity of your tank. So if you get nothing else from this episode, know that know that if everything else is the same, the battery with more amp hours or watt hours is like having a bigger gas tank and you'll have more fuel to go further. You could directly compare amp hours pretty much across brands and find the bike with the bigger tank. So a lot of times these electrical terms are explained with another imperfect metaphor, which is a water hose or water pipe with electricity being analogous to water that's flowing through a pipe. And so we can describe uh, some of the other terms using that kind of analogy. Uh, the first one is volts. Volts are the pressure on the water. The higher the voltage, the more pressure there is, and the more push you have on the electrical current that's going through the motor. Meanwhile, amps, as best I understand it, are kind of like the diameter of the hose or the pipe. It's kind of like the volume of water you're, that you can push through the hose. Um, one thing to note, though, is we're talking about amps here. Don't confuse this with amp hours, like the capacity of your battery. Although they're related mathematically for the purposes of our conversation here, as limited as it is, when you're talking about range, amps don't really amps don't matter. Amp hours do. So amps are different for now. And then when you multiply the volts, which is like the pressure, 
with the volume or the the diameter of the hose, which is the amps, you get watts. And Jared, I remember my uh, high school science teacher saying a watt is a unit of electrical power. <laughs> that's one of the things that has stuck with me. <laughs> hey, that's exactly it. it. It's it's power. Right. Just like a, a fire hose off of a fire hydrant is going to spray a lot of water with a lot of pressure, it's going to get a lot of work done. Where a little water at high pressure won't do as much, uh, nor will a lot of water with a little bit of pressure that's just dribbling out, right? You won't even reach the fire. So right. the more water and the more pressure, the more power, the more work that your motor can get done on that electricity. The one way that the watt rating of your motor comes into play when we're talking about range is how much power the motor can take down if you're a full throttle. This is just like real regular gasoline cars. If you have a little four-cylinder motor and you're at full throttle, it's going to use you know, some amount of fuel. If you have a big V8 and you're at full throttle, it's going to use that much more fuel. Same with electric motors. If you're at a 250-watt motor and you're at full throttle, it won't pull more than 250 watts. If you're a 750-watt motor and you're a full throttle, it's going to pull three times as much. That's why you might see some smaller bikes with smaller motors also have smaller batteries because maybe they don't need quite as much battery. You're never going to pull as much juice as the bigger motor. And those are kind of the basics. So before your eyes gloss over, if we, we probably have already passed that point. But just remember, for range, by far, the most important number for range is that amp hour or watt hour number, the size of your gas tank. We'll get more into more detail about power and stuff like that in a later episode. Yeah, so let's convert this to real-world stuff. Let's talk about some real bikes, some real numbers to kind of compare them. And, and Jared, we can use our bikes as examples to talk about since we you know, understand how they work. As we tend to do, right? What about uh, rad bikes all have basically the same battery, right? Yeah, almost all of them. I think the Rad Mission, they offer a slightly smaller battery. But almost every other bike they have, 48-volt, 14-amp-hour battery. Again, don't worry about the volts for the purpose of range and figuring out how far you can go on your bike. It's got a 14-amp-hour gas tank, and that's all you really need to know. And that's the same in almost all Rad Power bikes. Where my Pedego bike had an option. When I purchased the bike, there was an option for – they're all 48-volt batteries – but there was an option for a 10 amp hour battery or a 15 amp hour battery for a couple hundred dollars more. Um, both batteries are the same size, you know, <laughs> fit the same spot, but um, much different capacity. So um, clearly, and the sales pitch on that is you're going to get about a third more distance out of a 15 amp hour battery than the standard 10 amp hour battery. Right, and, and there are some other pedagogues that, that offer different voltages and slightly different capacities and stuff like that. But again, the amp hours is the number that matters for determining how far you can go. You know, just to cover one more for good measure, because Dwayne and I talk about our bikes too much, I looked up the Electric XP. It's a very popular bike. It's on the lower end of the price spectrum and offers an awful lot for that price at $999 as of today when I looked it up. But the battery they offer is a 48-volt, 9.6-amp-hour battery. The gas tank size is a little bit smaller than, than the average out there. Uh, it's about 70% of the size of, the, of my battery. But then again, the price is awfully nice, too. So if you're not planning on doing long rides, that battery might be enough. That gas tank might be enough for you, and you'll be happy with the bike regardless. But just know it's a smaller tank. 
Yeah, I think that's true with the Pedego bikes is there's a lot of people who are probably very well suited to a 10 amp hour battery with the type of riding that they do and don't need to spend the extra. But, you know, it's nice to have that choice and something that when you're actually shopping for a bike, you really do need to pay attention to how many amp hours is that battery if you want to have any way to sort of compare bikes. It's it's an imperfect comparison because of other things we're going to talk about weight of the bike and how it works and that sort of thing but it's at least a starting point to compare how far will bikes go yep absolutely so well that's an awful lot of technical jargon and we got most of it out of the way let's take a quick break to cover the comments from from our last episode so last week in episode three we talked about how best to haul an electric bike and we listed a bunch of options in our show notes and we've kept that up to date we've added some options from our listeners so a big thanks to several listeners uh rick s shauna f dale b peter a and a couple other listeners we might have missed for some of your ideas and solutions and again uh, go back and check those show notes for episode three on our website if you want to see some of the stuff that we added also peter a mentioned something we didn't think of that some bike racks are just not designed to work with bikes with fenders my bike has fenders, and that's something I didn't even think of. So some bike racks, they clamp down on the tires right near the top uh, where the tire gets to the front fork. And if you have a fender in the way, it's not going to work. It's not going to be secure. Uh, so don't try to make that work. It's just a very risky and potentially expensive and dangerous mistake. Be sure that if you have a bike with fenders, you are looking for a rack that is designed to work with those fenders. So, Jared, just an, another little pitch for the Thule Easy Fold rack that I have that I mentioned in the last show. And and obviously, you know, it's an expensive rack and, and it's not for everybody. But, boy, um, it is great for fendered bikes because it has a super adjustable uh, clamps that go anywhere on the bike frame, including a, a really low step-through frame uh, like I have on my bike. Um, and I think the Thule uh, T2 is designed for fenders too. So just something to keep in mind. Our listeners mentioned a couple things that we just didn't get the chance to cover in last week's episode, and we hope to cover in future episodes, such as options out there for trikes and that there's different considerations when attaching a bike to the back of an RV. Again, we'll hopefully cover those in a future episode, but keep floating out those ideas to us on Facebook. We love the ideas and we hope to chat about them sometime soon. So, Jared, as a general rule, when we look around at the specifications that most e-bike companies are advertising, most of them are advertising somewhere between 25 and maybe 60 miles of range. And there can be some outliers on some of these super big custom bikes and stuff. But I would say 25 to 50 miles is a pretty good average of, of what most bikes are claiming, right? I think that's probably right. But but is that what you're really going to get? And you can you can kind of look to again look at the amp hours of the battery, but let's go back to the gas tank analogy. I think that's probably the easiest way because you can really look at how far you're going to go on a tank of electricity, the same as how far you could go on a tank of gas. So, let's say you have a 15 gallon gas tank. You put that gas tank into a Mazda Miata. How far are you going to go? It's a light car, not a problem. Put that same 15 gallons of gas into a Chevy Suburban, it's not going to be the same. Of course, a lighter, smaller car is going to go a lot further. What if you're towing a trailer or you're climbing a mountain or you're driving flat out all the time? Those are all going to impact your range. Same in a car, same in a bike. 
Yeah, it's the same kind of analogy. The things that you know in a car are going to reduce your miles per gallon, you know, like uh, rabbit starts and driving real fast and driving with a heavy load. It's the same things that's going to reduce your range on an electric bike. Remember, electric, they have one of the smaller batteries that we looked at today, and they have a big asterisk on their claim of up to 45-plus miles. And they say range may vary based on weight load, terrain, weather, and other factors. So in a perfect world, with a very light person using very little assist and driving very cautiously and everything like that, you can probably get that 45-plus miles. But are you going to ride your bike like that? Yeah, it's kind of like when you look at the estimated MPGs on a new car. You, you never really expect to get that kind of mileage because it's some perfect uh, you know, test loop. And the manufacturers have every incentive to advertise the highest possible miles per gallon. So I think electric bikes are the same way. It's not deceptive. I'm, we're, not, we're not calling anybody liars, but we're saying mm, 45 miles seems pretty optimistic. And they're not the only company. They're all like that. Uh, you know, Pedego uh, advertises up to 60 miles on their 10 amp hour battery. And that seems, you know... That seems unlikely to me, too. It's certainly possible under the right conditions, but we have to be realistic when we see these factory claims. Yeah, there's so many factors that you, some that you have control over and some that you don't. Uh, the more you are riding up hills uh, will we'll eat your battery much faster. Now, you and I, the biggest hills we see are bridges for the most right. part, but in other areas of the country, that, that can be a big deal. Um, if you're riding you know, against a headwind, you know, all those sorts of things that make can make riding a, a non-electric bike terrible uh, are better on an electric bike, but they do impact uh, how much range you're going to get out of your battery. There's a couple things, there's probably two things that are most important. Um, one is the the weight of the bike and the rider and the load, and the other is how much you're pedaling. And you can kind of control the weight of the bike and rider, right? At least we're, we're, I'm trying to. Um, but if my, my wife, uh, rides my bike, it's going to be more like that Miata on a gas tank versus me who may be more like a Ford Explorer and, and the same motor trying to push it with the same tank. So, um, so that weight really makes a difference. And then the efficiency of the bike too. We talked about, I, I believe it was episode two that we talked about mid drives and hub drives and, and different ways that the motor interacts with the bike. And, um, Again, all things equal, your mid-drive is probably going to be a little more efficient because it uses the gearing of your bike to help push you along. So you might be able to get a little bit more little bit more range out of a mid-drive bike if it has the same size battery as a hub-drive bike. But I think you'll agree with me that probably the number one thing that affects how much range you get out of your battery is how much pedaling are you doing on yeah. the bike. All the work that we supply as human beings to the bike is less work that the motor has to do and less uh, electricity that has to come from the battery. So uh, how you are riding the bike, what level of pedal assist you're using, whether or not you're using the throttle, that's like the number one thing that determines how far you're going to get. Definitely. And I think some people think that means you have to be pushing hard. And, and that's not what that means at all. Um, again, going back to my example from earlier today, 
I almost always use pedal assist because I find that I don't like holding down a throttle with my hand. It's just not something convenient to me. So even if I'm just trying to cruise and not sweat or anything and use my bike as a commuter bike, I'm using the pedal assist. I might be pedaling very lightly and barely touching, barely putting any resistance on the pedals. But even that at a lower speed will make a huge difference in your range. So you don't have to be working hard to increase your range. Even just pedaling along and trying not to, you know, go at full speed all the time, but maybe go at like 10 miles an hour will give you a huge increase in range far above and beyond not pedaling at all. Yeah, absolutely. And when you are pedaling with pedal assist, now part of this depends on exactly how your bike works. And and this is really true probably only for a bike with a cadence sensor uh, like we, we talked about in episode two. But my bike is a cadence sensor, and if I have the pedal assist set to, say, level 2, which will get me to, I think, about 12 miles an hour or so, and if I am pedaling faster than that speed, then I'm carrying the entire weight of the bike. And some bikes, uh, bikes like mine, bikes like yours, actually have a gauge that tell you whether or not the motor is supplying any power uh, or not. So you can kind of sort of gauge whether and how much power you're using based on your riding habits and the more you pedal you know sort of over the assistance of the bike uh the less you're using the motor the less electricity you're going to use and some bikes they even will tell you exactly how many watts are going through the battery or going through the motor at any given time so today when i was on assist level one i think my bike was putting out 30 30 watts 30 to 40 watts that whole time and while barely paddling, I was maintaining a comfortable 10-ish miles an hour. Now, if I wanted to maintain 19 miles an hour, which is close to the top speed, that that same motor and me putting out the same amount of effort is going to be putting out 700 watts of power to go only twice as fast. So it's, it's just it's an exponential increase as you go up in speed, unless you're exponentially increasing your effort, you're going to be draining the battery that much faster. I think that's an important point that might not be inherently obvious is that, of course, at a lower pedal assist levels, you're using less power, but it really is exponential. So mm-hmm. uh, five is using more than five, more than five times the power that one level one is using. So Absolutely. It's, it's if you want to be efficient uh, and get the most range, then riding at lower pedal assist levels makes a big difference. Right. One other thing that can make a big difference is helping the bike, like when you're taking off, um, if you have the type of bike where you can take off with a throttle, um, that's fine. But if you are assisting the bike, if you're also pedaling while you're accelerating, or if you're pedaling when you're going up a hill, uh, it can make a huge difference in the amount of power the bike is consuming. If you are providing some effort, you don't have to you know, obviously, you're not pulling the bike up the hill like if you didn't have a motor, but it just by supplying some effort, some pedaling force to the pedals while you were going up the hill, um, you can watch the, the battery drain on the meter if you have one and see what a difference that makes. Absolutely. And that actually brings us to our, our next point we want to talk about is what that battery gauge is showing you. Yeah, the battery gauge is not as intuitive as you might think. Uh, this is kind of where the gas tank analogy fails a little bit because the the readings are not quite as reliable as a gas tank which is measuring you know the amount of liquid in the tank uh, these things work a little bit different 
Right. Have you ever had a flashlight and you've drained the flashlight until it completely dies? You turn it off for a half hour and miraculously you can turn it on. You can get a few more minutes out of it. That's kind of what your e-bike's doing. It's just going to do it a little faster than that. So if you're using the battery and you're going up a hill and your gauge has five boxes on it, like a five-level gauge, right? And every bar is, is one down. You will probably see if you're going up a long hill and it's working hard, you will see it drop down a bar, maybe even two bars. Because it's measuring the voltage, and as you're drawing so much power from it, there's going to be a voltage dip. But then you get over the crest of the hill, and maybe you're just doing a flat road, or you're, you reduce the draw significantly, that gauge might bounce back up. Because the gauges are not smart in, in that they're doing anything more than just reading voltage on most bikes. And when the battery is not under load, it sort of do, actually does recover some uh, voltage, and, and the meter goes back up. You know, it's funny, I noticed this the first time I rented an electric bike and rode at any distance, uh, I noticed this phenomenon. I noticed I was going up a bridge, and the battery meter went down a bar, and I crested the top, went down the other side, and by the time I got to the bottom, the, the meter had gone back up to five bars. And I actually wondered whether the bike was doing some sort of regenerative charging or something, and, and, and that wasn't the case. Uh, certainly that bike did not, uh, did not have that ability. When the battery is not under load, it recovers, and the gauge shows a, a true reading again. So the, the moral to that story is if you really want to get a, a fair read of what the capacity of your battery is, you should do it when the battery is not under load. When you're coasting, when you've come to a stop, you're going to have a more accurate reading than when you're flying down the road. Right. And last thing before we move on from, from the gauges is that, you know, as you watch your gauge drop, your bike will probably cut out before the battery is truly dead. And that's just more of the science of batteries. Um, Lithium-ion batteries, if they go all the way to dead, they may never get, get charged again. It, it just They won't recover and can't be charged, and that becomes dangerous if you try to force a charge into that kind of battery. So, So the bike will cut that out. Um, one thing to note though, and I saw somebody mention this on the forums and a few people say they'd done this before is that again, like a flashlight, if your bike turns itself off and you wait a minute, you might be able to turn it back on and get a little more distance out of it, but not recommended whatsoever, right? Because your battery is the most expensive part of your bike for most people and it becomes a potentially dangerous situation or just one that just kills your battery if you keep just trying to eke out a couple extra a couple extra miles or something like that. So just be careful. Yeah, the battery is designed to protect itself by shutting down before it's truly dead. So we shouldn't fight it <laughs> in trying to protect itself. <laughs> so we've covered a lot, as usual. What are the takeaways? First thing, if you're looking at batteries and you're looking at bikes... The size of the gas tank is your amp hours or watt hours, and that's going to be the biggest factor in purchasing a bike to decide how far you can go. So the next most important thing is how you're going to use the bike. You know, do you really want to ride more than 20 or 25 miles? A lot of people don't. You know, they just don't uh, have any desire to, to sit on a bike for that long. Do you need to go up and down hills? Do you need to carry a lot of weight, either because you're carrying a lot of weight or because you want uh, a cargo bike? <laughs> you know, all these sorts of things are important to evaluate before you decide uh, what kind of bike you're going to buy and how big a battery that you need. Of course, 
always the best answer, Jared, is buy the biggest battery you can afford, right? Because right? you'll never really regret having more amp hours. Uh, it's just one of those things that you're never going to be sorry that you had. Right. You'll just be sorry when you when you sign the check to pay for it in the first place. <laughs> well, that's right. But, you know, there's a diminishing returns too, right? None of these bikes are cheap. So if it's a couple hundred dollars for, you know, uh, five more amp hours, hmm. You know, maybe if it's something you think you would use, it might be worth the money. Right, right. And then if you're going to go for a distance, make sure uh, you have a phone on you. It can call a friend in case you run out of juice. But let's hope that never happens because then you're going to need a solution on how to carry your bike. And for that, listen to episode three. (laughs) So we hope that you will follow. Follow or subscribe to the show on the podcast player of your choice so that you don't miss our next episode. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can email us at ebikeradio at gmail.com. And our contact information and the links to the things we mentioned in the show are generally in the show notes that are viewable on your podcast player. Or you can go to our website at www.ebikeradio.com. And, of course, if we missed anything or you have some other ideas or thoughts about the show, uh, reach out and and give us a holler, by all means. And with that, thanks for listening, and stay tuned to Electric Bike Radio.